You're listening to Dialed In, a National Club Golfer podcast. everybody welcome to dialed in our weekly look at the best bets on the european and pga tours remember if you are having a flutter please do gamble responsibly and somebody who always does that is ncg's form expert barry Plummer. barry welcome hi steve how are you i'm good mate did you have a good lockdown weekend uh, yeah, on the whole, obviously, apart from uh, a disappointing ending to the PGA Tour for my picks, but uh, overall, yeah, very good. Thank you. You? It was almost bearable, wasn't it? I woke up at 7am and there was the final round at, um, at Abu Dhabi. So it was a good start and then some good football on during the day and then obviously the PGA Tour in the evening as well. I felt a bit um, sorry for your tips, actually, uh, if that's the right word, because um, coming into the final day, I thought Bezadenhout and uh, Lorenzo Vera might have grabbed you a place, but it just wasn't to be. Yeah, it was one of those frustrating weeks where, you know, four of them out of the five really had a, you know, a respectable chance of getting close. And, you know, in the end, four out of the five finished in the top 25, but none close enough really to get us any, any places. So it's one of those really... I've, I think uh, it's positive sign moving into this week because last week is a really good indicator for this week. So, uh, how do you feel about uh, Tyrrell Hatton? He's a killer now in these Rolex events, isn't he? Yeah, I just feel like when he gets towards the front of a tournament now, there's very little chance of him coming back towards the field. I feel like he's so composed. Uh, something maybe he didn't have in years gone by, and I feel like he's turned into sort of the complete player, and he's definitely up there with especially on the European tour, is one of the best players around. I wasn't, I think, as down on Rory McIlroy as perhaps some commentators were afterwards. Obviously, his Sunday struggles continue, but it did look to me like he was much more interested than perhaps um, he could have been, if that's the right way to put it, at times during the PGA Tour season last year. Yeah, I almost felt uh, like I was going to be a little bit embarrassed after writing off his chances early at the uh, start of the last uh, podcast. But, you know, it's one of those, I think that you've got to look for value in a market like that. And for me, Rory didn't have the value that that maybe he could have had and, and actually performed really well all the way through and was quite unlucky, wasn't he? So yeah. I think it's positive signs for Rory and I don't think it'll be long before he does win uh, again in the future. And, and popping off onto the PGA Tour, a uh, quite incredible win for Siwoo Kim, um, particularly when you consider uh, that stunning final round from Patrick Cantley. Yeah, I mean, to go out and shoot 11 under par uh, on the final round, you, you feel, so I imagine he probably feels quite hard done by not to at least get himself into a playoff, but it just shows you that, you know, Siwoo Kim was, was fantastic all the way through the final round. Yeah, I was uh, hoping and praying for a, a late surge from Taylor Gooch to get me a, a place um, when it looked like he'd you know, recovered really well from a poor start. But uh, yeah, it was one of those weeks where uh, nothing really fell right for me in the PGA this week. And uh, I'm liking the look of this week's event, um, especially as it's a good chance to have a look at the, uh, the next US Open course. 
Well, let's hold our horses a little bit and uh, move on to Dubai first, so the European Tour and the uh, Omega Dubai Desert Classic at the Emirates Golf Club. Um, very well-known venue, Baz, on the European Tour. But um, what can we expect from the course this week? Uh, similar to last week, obviously flat exposed desert course. Uh, this one slightly more strategic. It has a few uh, right to left dog legs, so a little bit more um, shot shaping required. Um, tree line fairways, again, some really tricky rough that the players are going to want to avoid. I think my main line of inquiry this week to, uh, to find a winner is uh, that there have been some correlations between the top 20 of the Abu Dhabi and the top 20 then the next week at the Dubai Desert Classic for the last few years, so much so that six of the last, uh, sorry, last year, six of 20 finished um, in both top 20s. Uh, and in 2018 and 2016, seven finished in the same two top 20s in consecutive weeks. So I think looking at the top 20 in Abu Dhabi um, from last week is going to be a good indicator for who's going to play well here this week. There was a lot being said about the potential draw bias last week with the weather. Have we got a similar situation with the wind this time around? I think we're expecting uh, the wind to pick up on Sunday, uh, which obviously should make an interesting final round. I've picked a few players um, this week who have some form on those types of venues where the wind can play its part. So I've sort of factored that into considerations. And I think for the enjoyment of the uh, of the event, I think any winds coming up would be would be welcome for the spectators because it makes it all that much more interesting than a, a birdie fest. Well, you had some uh, big priced horses uh, last week uh, as you look to get off to the 2021 season in some grand style. I mean, you've got some decent odds this time around, but these are all proven Euro European tour players that you've gone for this time, Barry. So let's go through your selections. Take us through your first one. Uh, so first up, we've got Matt Wallace, 25 to 1. Uh, seventh place last week, had a fantastic uh, event, four consecutive under par rounds. He was actually runner-up in this event 12 months ago, um, so he's got some form at this event uh, and has played well in this part of the world. You know, uh, two runner-up um, finishes in his last five events. One of those came in Dubai at the Golf in Dubai Championship just before Christmas. So he's, you know, he's there or thereabouts. He seems to be getting back to some of his best golf. Uh, he's in the top 50 in the world. Uh, he has some form on, you know, courses that are affected by the wind if the wind does get up. Uh, and I think I was probably most impressed last week by his strokes gained um, putting figures, top 10, um, relatively consistent with that. And I think that's going to be important this week if you look at previous years. So Matt Wallace, for me, is uh, somebody who, although 25 to 1, it doesn't necessarily represent lots of value. I do feel confident enough that he's going to put in a good challenge this week. Yeah, he could be the second consecutive of the European Tour's angry golfers to win um, if he uh, if he scoops a prize. Do you think him teaming up with Gareth Lord, this new caddies having an impact? Yeah, I mean, the, the video, drawing attention to the caddies stuff, it, it was all very uh, lighthearted and amusing, wasn't it? But I think actually what you're seeing with Matt Wallace is a, a real push for a good, solid 2021 with the Ryder Cup obviously coming up this year as well. Um, I think he's going to be wanting to get, he's had a fast start of his top top 10 already. He's going to want to follow that up with something similar. And I think, you know, um, he's got good, just as good a chance as most of the people at the top end of the field. Well, I'm sure the Ryder Cup and um, the possibility of making Padraig Harrington's team will be strongly in the thoughts of um, this next player as well, who um, you wouldn't initially think would uh, thrive in a desert, but you think otherwise, Barry. 
Yeah, Robert McIntyre, 28 to 1. Um, again, obviously, similar price to, to Matt Wallace, but I'm just as confident about Robert McIntyre. We spoke to Robert McIntyre um, a couple of times in 2020, and he, he constantly mentioned about the fact that he was really pushing for the World Top 50 because he wanted to make his Masters debut. He wanted to uh, get into that Ryder Cup team for 2021. Um, and, you know, he started off the year in quite a positive way, 16th last week. He had a really slow start and recovered back to get to even par on the first day, which showed how much sort of mental toughness he has. Um, he actually finished the tournament ranking first in strokes gained off the tee, which considering this um, event, you need to find the fairways if you can off the tee. That's going to be really important for uh, Robert McIntyre. He was eighth here last year. And as we know, famously had that top 10 finish at his open debut at Royal Port Rush, which means that, you know, if there are any um windy conditions let's say he, he's going to be one of those players who's going to feel quite at home in that so yeah I mean for me he, he seems to play well he played well for three rounds at the uh, DP World Championship just for the uh, Christmas break he's one of those players who's been there or thereabouts quite a lot in these types of events but has yet to get over the line other than that win in Cyprus so I, I can see him having a, a good week this week yeah, a player who didn't have a particularly positive season uh, last year was Rafa cabrera Bale, but he has come back to form in some style in Abu Dhabi and you you think he's a nice bet for this week as well, Barry? Yeah, I mean, with Rafa, I think most people last year had pretty much written him off for, for every event he'd entered because his, his form was just that bad and, and uh, you know, only he'll know why that was. But uh, fourth last week, when at times it looked like he could go on and win it, was, was really, really promising and I'm quite surprised to see him put up at 50 to 1 this week. It was such a positive performance last week. Um, his course form here is, is fantastic. He's won here already in 2012. He's got another two top 10s, if you don't include uh, the win, and three further top 20s. So he's somebody who, you know, really enjoys, I assume, playing golf here based on his results. Um, last week, he was top 20 for strokes game putting strokes grain around the green and strokes gained tee to green. So is all over consistency around the game last week was fantastic. And I think if you look at the fact he's currently outside the world top 100, that will be a big goal for him this year to, to refine the form of when he was, you know, in the world top 50 and, and, and contending for titles regularly. So I think uh, uh, for an each way selection, Rafa Cabrera Bayo is uh, very interesting this week. And a former major champion rounds off your European tour picks this week, Barry. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, Danny Willett is not somebody usually that I consider very often for golf tournaments. Um, and I don't know why that is. Every person has their own sort of play. I don't know that they feel that way about. But after watching him this week, he showed me something which I feel that he may be able to carry over to next week. Obviously, getting that top 20, which is, as I mentioned, quite important going into this week, finishing 16th in Abu Dhabi. Um, he's one of those players who's, like you said, one at the Masters, uh, Augusta, a course that requires shot shaping on a lot of the holes. He's proven he can do that there. So, you know, you would think that he should be able to translate that and do the same um, over here. He has won this event in 2016 uh, and he's won the DP World Tour Championship in 2018. So he's got wins in this part of the world. He knows how to do it. His form is very up and down. Um, but... For the price of 55 to 1, which is actually my highest price selection, he's probably got, in terms of pedigree, the most pedigree out of the four. It's just whether or not he can find the form to actually turn it on and, and go and challenge for this week's event. 
Well, let's see if uh, one of these quartet of players will be your banker for this week. But we've got to turn firstly uh, to the PGA Tour and the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. I always feel, Baz, that the American year really gets started when we get to this tournament, you know, after the wraparound season. It, it, it feels like it's really just waiting to get going. And from Torrey Pines onwards, um, we've got cracking event week after week on the PGA Tour until the Masters, really. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier on, this is a, a really good opportunity for players and us as punters to, to have a look at Torrey Pines and how it's setting up this year in preparation for the uh, for the US Open. I know it's a course we've seen a lot of over the years. Um, played over the two courses uh, on the south and the north course. Three rounds on the south, one on the north, which will take place before the 36-hole cut. Um, as we all know, the south course plays much harder than the north course. Uh, it's much longer. Um, the putting surfaces are an interesting factor as well. Obviously, on the north course, you've got the bent grass greens. And on the south course, you've got the Poranua greens. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tough test. That, that Those three rounds on the south course are going to be a tough test. So the players that I've gone for this week, I've gone for players that have got a real pedigree for playing well on tough courses that you might expect to see of a major championship. Do you think it'll be completely different? Can we take anything out of the way that the course will be set up this week when we go towards the US Open later on? Well, I, th I don't know if they can make it much harder. I mean, that would be, uh, you know, for the players, I think that would be unfortunate. Um, We'd expect but... to see bigger rough, wouldn't we? I mean, I, I don't think the greens maybe would be quite as quick. Obviously, completely different times of year as well, even in California. You know, if you were, if what I'm, what I suppose I'm asking you, Baz, is if you see a standout performance this week, is that something that you can take to the US Open and really think about it as a positive, or are the two setups just so completely different that they're essentially different types of course? Yeah, I mean, for me, I would I would consider the um, form of this week when looking at the US Open later in the year. I'm not sure as to what extent it would massively influence who I would pick. I think we've got a lot more events between now and the US Open, which will create a much better picture for, for us to make a selection on who we think is going to contend. And I think, um, you know, it's really difficult at the start of the year to pick winners, to pick players that are going to place because you're going off a very little recent um, course form in some instances and, and you know some players have played a lot and some players haven't played so much whereas when we get to that point of the US Open later on in the year we should have a much clearer picture. Well let's uh, get on to your selections then which is what everybody's waiting for. Um, your first player uh, is someone who was in contention very strongly last week should definitely have won more tournaments than he has. Why do you think this is going to be Tony Finau's week? I, I have to say, even though I was uh, cheering on Taylor Gooch for his place finish on Sunday, uh, I was also cheering on Tony Finau just because I'm a big Tony Finau fan. I'm, I feel like he, like you said, should have won so many more events than he has. Um, but it's his recent course form um, and his performances on tough courses, which um, make me really feel like he's, he's going to have another good shot this week. Uh, he obviously, as you said, held the 54-hole lead, joint 54-hole lead. Um, on Sunday, uh, on going into Sunday, um, he finished fourth in the end. And overall at Torrey Pines, he's played six times with six top 25 finishes. So that in itself speaks volumes that he knows how to play this course and he knows how to play it well. Uh, three of those top 25s actually ended up finishing in the top 10. 
Um, and his recent form, uh, as I'm sure you know, is, is also really positive with two top tens in his last three um, tournaments. So he's one of those players who not only should he really be winning these types of events more often, I wouldn't be surprised once he does to see him start challenging for major competitions um, because he's had a top 10 in each of the major championships in the last two years. So he, he knows how to turn up to an event that's laid out in a very difficult way, uh, negotiate it with really strong tee to green play. Um, and if that putter works, then, you know, eventually by the law of averages, he's got to get over the line. I mean, is each way the way to play Tony? He's, he's so consistent that you'd always think, you know, you're going to be getting one of the places and particularly in this era we've got of multiple places. Yeah, I mean, at 20 to 1, usually my play would be to play them to win only. Um, but uh, with Finau, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, resist picking each way because of the fact that he does get so many top 10s. It would be, you know, with, with, his, with his track record of, of not getting over the line and getting those wins, um, in contrast to him getting so many top 10s, it makes sense to hedge that bet a little bit and, and put him on each way, even if you have to put a slightly high stake on. Yeah. Um, our next player, a major champion at his peak, um, but a guy who's been bedeviled by injuries. I mean, why do you think Jason Day is going to be prominent this time around? He's, he's one of those players that um, I, I keep thinking he's going to come back and I keep thinking this is his time and then he just gets a setback. Yeah, and, and same as you, I'm, I'm hoping and praying not to see that sort of early round two withdrawal or something like that, of that nature that we're used to seeing with Jason Day based on his injury history. Um, the reason I've put him up for this event is, again, based on his, his course form. He's got five top tens yeah. uh, in his last eight starts at the Farmers, and he's actually won the event twice, obviously, in the past as well. He's got some good recent form, even though he hasn't played for a little while. It was in 2020, um, where he had a 12th and a 7th place finish. But most interestingly, he knows, uh, as you mentioned, as a former major champion, how to play on tough golf courses and really grind out a, a positive result because eight consecutive top 25 finishes in a PGA Championship, um, obviously fourth at Harding Park in 2020. All of these courses are asking big questions of the players and, and most more often than not, Jason Day has come up with the answers. I think um, him being a self-professed Poa Anua specialist uh, gives him maybe a little bit of an edge on the uh, south course as well. So, yeah, I mean, it will depend on on how he is in terms of in, his injury. And I'm sure after the first couple of rounds, we'll know a lot more as to how close Jason Day is going to get this week. Yeah, course form, obviously, hugely important to you, Barry, here at, um, at Torrey Pines and, and signified most clearly, I think, in your next pick as well. Yeah, Billy Horschel, 60 to 1. Um, but I, I realised the last time I watched Billy Horschel that he is really uh, coming back into some good form. And I said to myself, whatever event he plays next, I'm going to really sort of look into his form and see whether or not he fits that that week because I'd like to select him based on the fact that he's had two uh, fifth-place finishes in his last three starts. He, he seems to have really got the putter firing. He's 15th for strokes game putting in 2021 over his three events that he's played. Um, he knows how to play on tough golf courses. We saw him win famously at Eastlake um, and uh, he's had a top 30 in all of the major championships. So he's another, you know, uh, clever golfer who knows how to negotiate a really tricky golf course. And I think that experience is, is vital, really. Course form is also really important this week, as you mentioned, two eighth place finishes at the Farmers, 
he's got some other finishes which don't flatter him so much where you know he's either missed the cut or he's he's, he's maybe finishing the top 45 or whatever but he uh he's somebody who if he continues that positive form i wouldn't be surprised to see him get close at quite a big price Interesting that obviously we're going back to Torrey Pines uh, for the US Open and your final selection is a US Open winner. I was actually there at Pebble Beach um, to see him win. Wow. Fantastic performance by Gary Woodland that day and uh, that week, in fact. And uh, he is your final Torrey Pines Farmers Insurance Open pick. Why? Well, I actually asked myself the same question when I started writing the preview because uh, he, uh, he, I looked at his form since the end of sort of the end of the wraparound, the last season as we came into the new wraparound season, and, and actually he uh, his form before the Christmas break is absolutely rubbish. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, what has happened to Gary Woodland after what was quite a promising 2020? Um, but he, he turned it back on a little bit um, last week, tied 16th at the American Express, um, and that's then complementing his course form which is currently um got five top 20s in his last seven visits to torrey pines it's a course that again he must enjoy playing at based on his performances um that top those top 20s um aren't consistent for everybody so having five in the last seven events is is impressive um he his best area last week at american express was perhaps his strokes gained off the tee now, that's going to be really important here this week if he can keep the ball in play. Um, he's always somebody who's had quite a lot of control and precision over his golf ball um, when he's playing at his best. And that's obviously what helped him to his US Open win at Pebble in 2019. So this one's really more based on a hunch rather than um, maybe hard facts. And uh, I like the fact that he sort of spoke to me a little bit when I was watching the golf uh last week and i thought that he, he looked like he was coming back to sort of the golf that he'd he'd been successful with over the last couple of years so it's a bit of a gamble but i i like him at 80 to 1 for a bit of value so eight players there barry across the european and pga tour events as always i'm going to ask you for your for your best bet of the week so who is baz's banker this week yeah so i think I'd really love to pick Tony Finau, um, but based on the fact that he doesn't win too often, I'm going to go with uh, Matt Wallace. Uh, I think he's going to have a really positive week uh, in Dubai this week. And I think if he uh, if he does anything like he did last week, he's going to have a very good chance. Well, I'm definitely going to be having a look at Rafa Cabrera-Beo at that price uh, and given what he did last week in Abu Dhabi. Barry, thanks very much for joining me as always. Thanks very much, Steve. Remember that you can read all of Baz's previews in more depth every Monday and Tuesday on nationalclubgolfer.com. And if you've got any tips of your own or anything that you want to ask me or Barry, uh, don't be afraid to get hold of us on Twitter or all the usual social media networks. Uh, see you again next week.